Did you see her? Yeah. And what she needed to do was done? Yes. Praise be his mercy. Maybe June can find some peace now. I'll pray for her. she doing? Uh, yeah, she's fine. No, she's not fine. Gilead would have killed Fred. She just wanted to do it herself with her own hands. Welcome to Eyes on Gilead, our weekly podcast dedicated to The Handmaid's Tale. There is a lot going on in this show and we think it helps to talk it out after every episode. It is so good to be back with new episodes uh, to unpack. And I'm Fiona Williams, and when I'm not doing this, I'm Head of Curation at SBS On Demand, and I'm joined once more by my colleagues and fellow resistors, Natalie Hambly, Managing Editor of SBS Voices. Hello. Heidi Island, Channel Manager of SBS On Demand. Hi. And Sana Kadar, host of ABC Radio National's All In The Mind. Hello. Hello. Welcome back. Good to be back. We've got a new season. (laughs) It's so nice to be back. It's been a little while. And look, we've got two episodes this time. Uh, The new season five has launched with a double episode drop and we're going to split it up. So today we're going to be recapping episode one of season five of The Handmaid's Tale. And then we're going to go watch episode two. And there is immediately another episode today of the podcast recapping episode two. So We have just watched episode one of season five of The Handmaid's Tale, which is called Morning. This one is written by Bruce Miller and directed by Elizabeth Moss. Perhaps you've heard of her. June Osborne. In the powerful season five premiere, June struggles as she considers her next move after killing Commander Waterford. What? I killed Fred. June just salvaged him. Got his fucking hand. Meanwhile, Serena Joy is left reeling after the death of her husband. Mrs. Waterford, I'm afraid I have some terrible news. It's your husband. He's dead. Geez, they don't give anything away in these synopsis today. <laughs> um, there is a lot going on between the lines of that one. But let's get into it and start with our Round the Room, What Stood Out for You? Heidi, let's start with you. I think what stood out most to me was the line, I have to pay a fine online. <laughs> <laughs> it was so it was it was so funny. I I laughed out loud so hard that I I woke my husband up who was sleeping like at the other end of the house. It was just <laughs> like the An contrast. Actual lull. <laughs> yeah. Just like the contrast between the high drama of of the confession mm. scene uh leading up to that and then the kind of triviality of that outcome. It was just it was like a little fun in joke between the the writers and Elizabeth Moss's director, yeah, you know, playing at you know how good mm-hmm. they are at building those heart racing crescendos. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was it was hilarious. That's my favorite moment. That's a good one. And Heidi, you're not a big laugher out louder. <laughs> like that's, that's a lot for you to wake wake up Alex at the other end of the house. <laughs> I love it. Um, Sana, can you top that? Um, my highlight of the episode was uh, the very last scene where June is cuddling Nicole and it's so beautiful and it's so tender and it, after, you know, the savagery of what's happened and just all the craziness that, you know, June has been through. It was such a little beautiful moment. I really love that. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was great. Natalie, how about you? Um, they were both great moments. And I think my favourite one was seeing Serena in handcuffs. 
<laughs> yeah. Nice. Very much enjoyed that. <laughs> Enough said. I I've probably got two, but um, like I, I just love that June pretty much wanders around all day with Fred's DNA on her. <laughs> like, it's just right. Like, yes. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, like we, um, I don't know, if we ever have reason to go salvage a guy in the woods, I will bring wet wipes. <laughs> for <everyone. laughs> My goodness. Yeah, and then that she's washing herself off in the public bathroom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the other one was seeing Fred's body. Um, and just more for the that person on Twitter who speculated that maybe he's not quite dead because we didn't see... <laughs> Oh, he's he so dead. <laughs> he's well, so dead. Yeah, if only for you that um, that clears that up. Yeah. Oof. Anyway, sorry, I cheated and had a couple there, but yeah, it's it's too much. All of it. It's back. <laughs> Let's dive right in. So it opens with the Everly Brothers with um, "All I Have to Do Is Dream," and June's very much in a dream state. I think it was a great song choice because, against the montage of those flashbacks from the scene in the forest. It just like really captured the disassociated state that June's in in this kind of crazy morning after. Yeah, it was a really great juxtaposition. And it's the classic June zoom right off the top, right? <laughs> but this time it's like a happy, deranged <laughs> June face that we're getting. Um, yeah, kind of not quite with it, but yeah, classic June zoom. Yeah, totally. I like that it's um. It was a dream rather than a nightmare because it's a great memory. It's a great moment to relive. <laughs> it was her dream. <laughs> like what do you do when you've realised your dream? Um, yeah, yeah, I guess you want to live in it a bit longer and you want to keep all this blood all over you. <laughs> like put the shower on but rethink it and no, I'm going to sit with this all freaking day. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's Nicole's face washer that she gets the, the blood on that um, these little real-world interruptions into her happy place that, yeah, there's a few of those that Nicole brings her back down to earth throughout the episode. And then I guess that triggers her then to go and bolt Mm. (laughs) uh, to go meet her fellow conspirators. I Um, loved that so much because I remember us talking in our last episode last season and I remember saying she just needs to go have a shower and, like, wash that off and then come back and get Nicole And she just did the thing that I would not expect at all. So, like, the shower is running, but she never actually gets in it. Next thing you know, she doesn't even change, as you said, Fiona, and she's out the door. And I'm like, what? Where is she going? It was so unexpected. (laughs) Yeah, again, we can't predict the goddamn thing about this show, but, yeah. (laughs) Um, I like when, you know, Luke and Moira are both questioning her. She tells Moira, like, it's and Moira knew immediately it was a salvaging because, you know. Moira gets it, but also she doesn't. <laughs> she doesn't quite get June anymore. But, uh, yeah, I like that little nod to a fellow ex-handmaid. And then she's off, but we don't follow her immediately because, and this is probably why we need a standalone episode for <laughs> <laughs> this episode, uh, Nick goes home and we yeah. meet Mrs Nick. <laughs> Can I just say I like that we know that we're in Gilead immediately because there are two handmaids walking by. Yeah. And how strange that must be once you leave Gilead to not see that anymore. Like that just must be like a staple thing that they just see every day is just constantly two handmaids going by. Yep. Yeah, that's true. So Nick comes home. It's the morning after the night before, as we know. And 
How long did they wait for the reveal of who's occupying his house with him? <laughs> Were you guys squinting at the side of the screen? I, I am so curious what is the deal with his wife because our first hint that she's not your typical wife is when she says she didn't want to wake the Martha to make the tea. And what wife is so considerate of her Martha? That's a, you know, seems like a rather nice wife. And then, of course, she's asking about whether June got to do what she wanted to do and she'll pray for her. Did Nick manage to find a wife who's in on the resistance or, you know, like on the inside? It sounds like he's got a co-conspirator at home, which makes me very happy for him. But I'm very curious. Yeah, wasn't she interesting? Not what I was expecting at all. And thank God, nothing like Eden either. Like I didn't (laughs) (laughs) want him paired with like another 14-year-old child bride, which is just horrifying. But um, she was so likable. And I'm so intrigued by the relationship. Like, does he actually have a partner, you know, not just Mm. a wife for looks, but actually someone that he can share his life with? How interesting. (laughs) Very interesting. Yeah, yeah. And so Mrs. Nick or Mrs. Blaine, uh, until we find out her real name, she's played by Kerry Cox, who is an actress who lives with a disability and and she mostly has theatre credits, so a couple of TV credits. But, yeah, she's uh, very intrigued to see where this uh, this match goes this Mm. season. I had her in my notes as Mrs. Nick as well. (laughs) (laughs) The lady needs a name, guys. (laughs) (laughs) She'll always be Mrs. Nick to you guys, let's be real. Um, I I was thinking he's like a little Lawrence now maybe, like, you know, Lawrence Lawrence had a good match and, like, it looks like, you know, they were, you Mm. know, um, he and Mrs. Lawrence were were partners and looked like it was a genuine, um, you know, they they got each other. So here, you know, it's based on honesty by the first glance at least, um, yeah. I hope so. I'm happy for Nick so far at this moment in, in our journey. <laughs> mm, yeah, intriguing. The other thing I'm wondering is considering Nick's status and now he has a wife, does that mean they have a handmaid? Oh. Yeah, good question. That's, I mean, they have a Martha. Surely they've got a handmaid, you know. Mm. Honestly, who knows? But men with babies do go further in Gilead, hey? But that is the one glimpse at this household that we get this episode, so much more to come, no doubt. But from there, we go to the newly single Serena Joy, and she's doing some baby yoga, but that relaxation is going to be very short-lived as she's about to get some bad news about Fred and immediately relocated to a safe house in the aforementioned handcuffs. Thanks, Nat. Now, it's quite a shock to her when she learns that Fred is no longer in the land of the living. I thought it was interesting that immediately her first thought was to go to their tango. Like that was her memory of Fred. Oh, that is so interesting Uh, actually. Oh, okay, I've got some thoughts on that, but I want to know what your thoughts are. What were you thinking about that? Well, I just thought of all their time together, that was when they were both at the peak of their powers in Washington, like on the way up again. She didn't go back to pre-anything when they were aligned and like plotting everything. You know, mm-hmm. it was it was that, the, the tango. What did you think? Because mm. wasn't it funny how it wasn't like it wasn't like a quiet, intimate Correct. moment they had at home or or a shared laugh or time with the baby, like nothing like that. It was when they were both, as you just said, like in the height of their power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, were, they were like on show, you know, they were very much like and it was all very much power and prestige and it was like, I know that we said before, like, of clearly they were not like a love match or anything or anything like that. But yeah, how fascinating that for her, that's what mm. she remembers. Because yeah. she's thinking now about 
her standing, right? Like what, where this leaves her as a, as a widow of Gilead, not even currently in Gilead. She's definitely thinking about, she, her, her wagon was well and truly tied to Fred. So now that he's gone, what does it mean for her? And I, I thought that was interesting too. And I, I, I actually read that more as like she was going back to the last time they felt happy together. You know, I didn't actually think about like the political implications of that moment in time for the two of them. I was just like, oh, this must be the last time she felt happiness with him, um, which is probably both are true, right? Her happiness is mm. couched in what they meant together and the power they had at that time and all of that. Yeah. I mean, if, if it was um, about a happy memory, you you know, you would have thought when they had that candid moment fleeing to Canada yes. when they had the, you know, conceived um, little Fred, <laughs> mini Fred or whatever <laughs> he's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> also that her happiness is tied to the moments when she's seen and respected by men and that's very much a situation where she's the center of attention in a room full mm. of you know high-powered men getting admired by her man classic serena <laughs> well on that i thought it was interesting how um everyone who was leading her away in handcuffs was a woman um you know a woman yes. was arresting her and the woman who interrogated her afterwards or the lawyer who was sort of telling her what happened was a woman she was being let off by a pack of women to yeah. who knows what. Oh, yes, good good call out. Yeah, because, I mean, Fred got brought to his demise by <laughs> by a real pack of women too. <laughs> mm, yeah, um, mm. yeah, good one. And so from there, then June is at the diner um, with a bit of Dolly Parton playing. Deep cut of Dolly mm-hmm. with all her dirty-faced fellow <laughs> conspirators. <laughs> I hated this scene. What oh a funny scene. All of the I loved it of so the much. Chewing. <laughs> the sausage. I know. The half-eaten sausage at the end, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Everything tastes better when Fred's dead. <laughs> yes, but then of course that this leads to a general assumption, clearly not defined <laughs> at the outset of their conspiracy to get Fred. Everyone expects that now the same pack is gonna go and the vigilantes for each other so there's a expectation that now they get their time to um eliminate their own mm. monsters um yeah june june's not on board with that but there's a lot of guns there's a lot of chekhov's guns we've now been exposed <laughs> to so yeah. there's gonna be a lot of guns firing at some point or another right yeah these ladies are packing heat <laughs> i really love that though i love it seems to make perfect sense to me that they are all like that she's managed to find women who are also filled with rage because yep. remember like last season she was going to those therapy circles, I think, and, and it felt like she was the only one that was still really angry and she was trying to, to rile up other people and Emily was sort of quietly backing her up. But she kind of felt alone a little bit in that and so I kind of like now that she's, like, found other former handmaids and they're all furious and, of course, they all want to tear their own commander apart because why wouldn't they want that? It makes perfect sense to me. Aren't these women her former therapy mates though like aren't these the women she sort of turned and brought onto her style of therapy as opposed to Mora's that's what I thought yeah I don't remember them specifically from the therapy circle but yeah I I think no I don't specifically remember them either that's kind of the assumption I made in my head maybe I've made that up (laughs) she certainly flipped a whole lot of people in (laughs) um to to get that pack going um yeah but now everyone wants their pound of flesh and um one of them mentions like she wants to go for the wife she wants to get the, um, Mrs. Radcliffe, and I don't remember. Yeah, someone said the mistress, the mistress, and then they said Mrs. Radcliffe, and I thought, am I meant to know who that yeah. is? I didn't think Do so. You know I think she was just so. talking about her rando okay, wife good. in Gilead. It's interesting. Oh, you know, clearly she's expecting to meet up with Emily there, and you know, the ones who are all G'd up, they're they're talking about going back in. To which June thinks that's a terrible idea at this point, and like 
Vicky starts firing shots in the air and is like, Vicky, come on, Vicky. What's going on, Vicky? Keep it together, Vicky. (laughs) Too many coffees. Well, although, um, I don't know, the consequences aren't real. Although they are in Canada at this point. So, yeah, like Vicky's kind of off the leash a bit. You're not in no man's land now, Vicky. We don't like guns in Canada, though. (laughs) Yeah. Did you notice that, like, when they were having that sort of standoff, there were crossed wires above Um, them? That was what the shot was, which I thought was quite nice. Did not notice that. Neither did I. But it is weird that they have guns because it's not really something that we've seen. And I think they missed an opportunity. They could have called the episode June June Gets a Gun or something <laughs> like that <laughs> rather than morning. Like, come on. Morning. But, yeah, the gun thing is interesting. I mean, we can get to the trailer if you want. I was just going to say about the trailer, there's a lot of gunshots mm. happening in that trailer. We see a couple of things. Shall I call out what we see? Yeah. Um, there's this one shot in the trailer where it looks like June and Serena are having a confrontation somewhere and, like, June's got her hand behind her back and it looks like she's about to pull something. Like, it's like the insinuation of a gun. I watch it twice, so, <laughs> you know, I'm not totally making that up. And then we see, we hear lots of gunshots, but then we see, like, blood splatter across Nick's face. And Mrs. Um, Putnam's so. screaming. Mm, mm. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so... A lot of people are going to get shot at some point <laughs> is what I'm going with. There's also another shot in woods and there's a lot of women holding guns that, yeah, I, I noticed. I don't I don't remember the gun specifically, the blood splatter shot that you're talking about, Sana, but, yeah, it's um, like you're right, Chekhov's guns. And there's reference to a gun mm-hmm. in the finale of last season, isn't there? Doesn't Because um, she gives Fred yeah. the option of a gun yeah. or a whistle. So there's, <gasps> you know, the insinuation that there are guns around at that yeah, point. Yeah, and she's used the whistle, so... Wrong choice, oh, Fred. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, someone else is getting the gun. It is interesting that there's all these moments in the series where we're wondering if she's going to take on this kind of hero leadership role within Mayday or within this kind of guerrilla group coming from Canada. And she keeps pulling back to the personal, you know, and she gets this opportunity to go with this group of women back into Gilead and she chooses very, you know, very strong in her decision that she's she doesn't want to do that you know she's she's gotten what she wants out of that situation and now she's uh she's going yeah but from the trailer there's also the insinuation that her and luke make a decision to go back uh, you know obviously this is like bits and pieces from the trailer the impressions they leave so who knows what actually happens yeah. but guarantee it's not well as easy as we think it is <laughs> <laughs> they're playing us with five seasons in, guys. Yeah, they're totally playing us. So that's a few hints at what's to come, but we shall see. So from Vicky going rogue into the air, we've got Serena in the compound in her, you know, little hideaway. Willow is there. They're piecing together. She realises with all the clues that June left intentionally that it was no accident. The ring finger is probably the biggest tell. Obviously, June, that was June's intention. Tuello seems quite shocked at the prospect that June Osborne might have played him and got to Fred. I like the expression that Serena uses about a scintilla of grace. Do you people have any decency at all? Any scintilla of grace? That was a nice, elegant turn of phrase. I Google scintilla. <laughs> After that, what's a scintilla of grace? I think I spelt it wrong. I couldn't find what I was looking for. It was a very quick look. Well, I thought just like a tiny bit of grace. Or like teensy a, bit. Yeah, teensy yeah, bit, yeah. yeah. Yes, I figured as much. Why does Serena keep getting the most, like, amazing places to stay? Because <laughs> she's Serena. It is. That one cost a fortune. What the hell? <laughs> it's nice. It's like a little Scandi bunker. Mm. Yeah. 
I do. Well, it, it, we're about to see it in in more June scenes, but you know, just the lack of consequences <laughs> outside <laughs> yes. of Gilead. It's, Gilead is a world of consequences, whether or not you do something. Yeah. But yeah, just other than Fred, but even that didn't happen in Canada. Um, he was going to get off. Yeah, because I feel like I don't really know what her status is at the moment. Like, what was she aiming for before Fred died? Because I think her and Fred were kind of at odds. Mm. And was were charges going to come to her or not and look like not? And it was like, are they, is she just want to get free and live her own life with her baby? Like, or. Yeah, it was, it was going to be like a trade for Fred going to Geneva and, and uh, kind of trading as an informant. They were going to get let off. Because yeah. at the end yeah. of the last season, she was talking about like, looking at real estate for their, where their family yep. were going to move and this and that. So the assumption I thought was that, you know, after Fred had done his bit that they would kind of be let free, yeah, which is why absolutely. June couldn't let that happen and, you know, she changed the plan. Yeah. And um, Serena got to Canada in the first place because she was making a deal to see Nicole. But now that she's pregnant, does she not care about Nicole anymore? You know, like it's... <laughs> That's true. Good question. <laughs> she hasn't mentioned Nicole, has she? That's true. <laughs> no. <laughs> I doubt she cares. Yeah, what so yeah, I feel like I don't know. Like what what is she what is she actually doing now, you know? Where does this actually leave her? And why is she still locked up then? But right now it's for her safety. Well, they both had the mutual charges against each other, remember? But then the, they were gunning mostly for Fred. But I do remember the last scene that she had with Fred. He was very keen to zoom later and she was like, "Yeah, yeah, sure, Fred, whatever." But she was on the phone to the media department of the ICC, I think, using her, her maiden name. So, you know, she was negotiating an appearance or some such. So, yes, very much living high on the hog, expecting to get out, wanting the good Wi-Fi and go house hunting. <laughs> yeah. So she would be sweating on that, no doubt, but who knows. But speaking of wives, Clea Duval gets a look in this season because I remember Bruce was saying that she was mm. meant to be in last season but due to the COVID yes. um, she couldn't make it to Canada for the shoot. But it's very good to see her but it's probably going to be the last time we see her. So she gets to say goodbye as Emily's wife. Um, that is a good scene mm. and I like the writing in that one where June is so accustomed to being shamed and with guilt and Lydia's in her head <laughs> she's echoing that it's my fault line yeah and I love that the response is I don't care <laughs> I don't need it to be someone's fault I love that she was as annoyed as I was watching June go on about I'll fix this it's my fault I was like oh shut up June yeah, not <laughs> which about is you. exactly what she th- yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah she very much I think mirrored my my feelings anyways probably a lot of yours yeah absolutely I was also quite I was like this is a great twist because we knew that Emily wasn't coming mm. back this season but I hadn't really thought about yeah. how they would explain that away. And I was, and then to find out that actually she's gone back to Gilead, I was like, what? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I was actually properly surprised, was, which was, you know, which I'm like now I have like mixed feelings. Okay, Emily's gone back to Gilead. Okay. Mm. Now I want to see her in Gilead. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, right. Aunt Lydia. Like I want to see her stabbing Lydia again. Because she was great in Gilead. She threw Lydia down those stairs. I know. And, yeah. and um, <laughs> she does name check Lydia. Like she's, she's looking for Lydia. <laughs> Yeah, 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 exactly. I want to see that showdown. <laughs> I wish I didn't know that Alexis Bledel wasn't back in because then I'd be I expecting know. the scene. But, I'm very uh, sad. Yeah. But in the way that um, Cleo Duval plays that scene, I was thinking, you know, there is someone with us in Tillera Grace because, like, you know, she's <laughs> the way she rationalises it and it's, you know, Emily, mm. we lost yeah. her and she came back and now she's gone and we're okay with that. <laughs> and that it's more time than we expected to ever yes. have with her. I thought that was really 
actually quite gut-wrenchingly sad and beautiful to hear. Mm, mm. Felt like quite a healthy outlook. Mm. Know, right? Oh, good for, good for it's her. literally just <laughs> happened and she's um, already philosophical about it. Talk to her therapist and <laughs> sorted it out in her head. Yeah, exactly. So maybe June should spend a bit more time with her, but no. <laughs> but clearly that sets off something in June because that's the first time she knows that Emily's not around anymore and it, you know, obviously makes her rethink her initial stance about going back into Gilead and it's like, oh, Emily's doing it. That's where she goes and washes, <laughs> washes that man right out of her skin, but also then goes to confess. So you know, she's not immediately thinking of going back into Gilead. I think she's trying to stop that really and maybe trying to stop those impulses. But, again, testimony, she makes, you know, the testimony to, to the authorities. Again, it has no impact. Mm-hmm. Like, good for the story. Isn't that so interesting? I, I love I kind of, I'm kind, well, not love, but maybe like so intrigued by the fact that she that she wants to be punished mm. and it just makes me think that, um People crave normal. Yeah. yeah. And, even if yeah. and even if their normal is terrible, mm-hmm. they still want normal. And her normal has been to be punished and to be held captive in a way, you know. And but it's almost like if, if life is happy and peaceful, then she feels like it's wrong. Yeah. So, yeah. I odd. read it slightly differently. I, I read it, yes, she wants normal. That's exactly what I thought. And normal is you know crime gets punished and there's justice like there is no justice in Gilead and so she's like well I'm in Canada now things are you know there's justice here I need justice you know even if it means I'm on the receiving end of it and remember last season when she did her testimony her seven minute monologue her last line was I seek justice Mm. Um, I ask for justice and so she wants to know that that bad things get punished because that means things are in order but that's why she's completely confused and thrown when it doesn't quite go that way. Yeah. And it took going to no man's land to kind of dispense a Gilead form of justice, but that's literally the only justice that's been <laughs> served up to Fred. But it's so funny because what she gets instead is just so ordinary and everyday mm. and completely normal, which is an $88 fine, which she can pay <laughs> online. <laughs> which she does not currently have the cash for. Yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's relatable. I also love the irony that posting Fred's finger the only thing that amounts to is is a postal fine, <laughs> nothing more. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Fred, no yeah, one cares. <laughs> transporting an unsecure biological sample. <laughs> <laughs> but on that, side note, on the, the package, because this is all same day, so did she, she dropped it off? I can't remember, was there a postage stamp on the, the on, it must have been a hand delivery, so <laughs> just to get into the weeds on Hand delivery, Fiona. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. <laughs> Not a joke. I, I was trying to think, how did that all work? Because this is the same, you know, this is the morning after. I but. actually <laughs> thought she was delivered the finger. I thought, like, Serena received the finger last season. No, the um, the delivery, well, the security guard opened it and dropped it. Mm. That's right. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah, and then obviously told to Willow and yada, yada, yada. You know, then, of course, Serena demands to see the evidence, to see the body, which we all do. Joseph Fiennes is not in this season, but his lookalike <laughs> or bits of it. Wax figure. Yeah, absolutely. Is all there and some of him's not. That's a good scene setting up the candlelit vigil outside. Um, you know, Serena gets a rage-filled moment ripping off the um, mm. the cover sheet to, to show the evidence, but then goes outside. And what a turn in her mood from just that short walk to see the support that that is out there for Team Gilead in Canada. 
just the way the expression on her face changes over the course of, of those like 20 paces and amazing expressions from Yvonne. But yeah, it's it, you just see the, the pleasure and the, the spark back in her by the time she gets to that van and she is on a new trajectory once again <laughs> at that point. Yeah, and she's very much playing Serena Waterford mm-hmm. again. Even the way she talks to Tuello, it's like when she was barking about get us some good Wi-Fi. It's like do whatever you need to do to make it happen. I'm taking my husband mm. back for his rightful burial. Yeah, it's good. She's back on the bullshit <laughs> pretty quickly. <laughs> Were you guys shocked to hear her wanting to go back in for the burial? Because initially I was like, ah, oh, what? I mean, you are a widowed woman um, of a traitor commander like what really is going to await you in Gilead long term I feel like this is a dangerous move but you know you sort of know what you're doing sometimes yeah I think she you know saw the the power of or you know seeing in them the, in the in the candle at the vigil go is herself reflected in their eyes and yeah just obviously she knows a good photo op when she sees one so I think mm-hmm. to get more <laughs> give them more of what they want and maybe the fact that she's pregnant might um protect her a bit mm, absolutely yeah that's true but yeah, that moment with with the crowd was very reminiscent of them heading off to the court last time, wasn't it? In in yeah. towards the end of season four, uh, testimony episode. Yes, but then we're back home and it's June, repeating the line from earlier about they're not going to be looking for someone who's going back in. You know, she's using it now to talk about Emily. So there's just a bit of a flip from where that the episode started to where it's ending in several ways for everyone. Um, and she does reflect that she thought she would be in jail. So um, yeah, just reflecting on. What's going on here? But then old mate Tuello comes knocking to show, lift the veil a little bit on where his head is at because he congratulates her and she acknowledges that, yes, she did absolutely play him as a way to get into no man's land. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, he says, well well done. done. You did something something terrible terrible. that needed to be done. That needed to be done. And what he says after that, which is... I understand what that costs. And I know what that costs. Yeah. And I was like, do you yes. tell me more? <laughs> what is this backstory? Yeah, what's he referring to there? Yes, may he rot in hell. Oh, well, I figured he was referring to um, giving Fred over to the ICC um, in exchange for whatever information he could give and how angry that made June, but he felt that was the trade-off that was worth making. But maybe there's more uh-huh. he's referencing. Oh, I assumed he was talking about himself, mm. like, you know, that like June did something terrible that had to be done and he has also done something in his past that was terrible and had to be done. Yeah. And I was like, huh, what is your past? <laughs> yes, but in his line of work he would be used to negotiating with unsavoury types. So, yeah, mm. I wonder. That's true. Mm. He understands the Latin line. He recognises it from the, the photo of Fred on the wall. I found that really interesting. Yeah. I loved it. As soon as he said, don't let the bastards grind you down, I thought, drink. (laughs) 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 Yeah, so that that was a nice little insight into his character. And I will say, um, let's get some more because we have got for you a special episode. We have invited Sam Yeager, Mark Twello himself, into our Zoom room. So we will have a special episode going deep diving into the character of Mark Tuello with Sam Yeager. So we have a bonus episode with Sam Yeager in your feed now. It's so good. So dive on into that. Um, and then that's basically the end of the episode because then she does go back inside and bathes Nicole in that beautiful ending that um, that we spoke about. 
yeah, interesting that she had to drop Nicole's face towel at the start of it um, when when it brought her back down to earth. But now, yeah, she's she's clutching her baby close. It's very sweet. Can I just backtrack slightly yeah. from there? Like when we're in the house still before I think Twilla arrives, um, when Luke, when Moira is like, what the hell's going on? And Luke's like, she's home. I'm taking a fucking win. I'm taking a fucking win. That was the line where I laughed out loud. <laughs> I found like my other highlight, apart from that beautiful scene at the end, um, is Luke throughout this episode. Like he is trying yes. to hold it together with humor, with grace, um, but a lot of humor as well because what else are you going to do at the end of the day? So that line was, yeah, my laugh out loud moment. I love that. <laughs> yeah, good point actually. Yeah, we, we and back at the police station, I guess it is. Um, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, at the end of last season when he spots when she comes home with the blood streaks on her face, he's shocked and, go, you know, falls to the wall mm-hmm. and, it, you know, starts this episode the same way really. But, yeah, like, you know, he comes and tells her she's got nothing to feel bad about really and, yeah, yeah. That she's off the hook. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's good to see Luke staying true. Whereas I kind of um, more was feeling more when she said, I don't really trust you to mm. um, bathe Nicole and I thought, yeah, I don't think I do either. <laughs> But then she did such a good job. Although she didn't wrap that girl up in a towel. The whole time I was like, baby's got to be cold. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> you're fully clothed. And she's still wearing those black trackies. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that actually reminds me of, um, it's funny how like you have those moments where that it just sort of jolts you out. And for me it was um, when June had entered the diner and she was catching up with um, all of those women and they all looked like they'd been in a brawl. <laughs> And the waitress said, I guess you're with them or, so, or something like that. And I thought, I thought, they're not really hiding anything, you know. Everyone can just, like, this is not normal <laughs> just to have blood all over your fingers. And I thought, oh, and so it's so weird that I was kind of stressed the whole time thinking they were thinking someone was going to call the police or they were going to get dobbed in and it just didn't happen. So, yeah, whereas, Sana, you're worrying about the baby. They must be cold. <laughs> well, if we're going to worry about not getting dobbed in, also when the gunshots went off, you know, after after the restaurant scene, no one called the cops after that, so everyone's fine, <laughs> no matter what they do. You know, June outright made a, made a confession and it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> so, yeah, what a wild trajectory that episode went on. But, yeah, look, I think that's that we've come to the end of that. So, as we say, we're going to go off and watch episode two and have a recap ready and waiting for you. But in the meantime, thanks for listening. It's wonderful to be back and we hope that helped. Before we get into episode two, we're going to go off and eat some pancakes with our dirty fingers. <laughs> and some Canadian maple syrup. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So episode two is available right now to stream at SBS On Demand. So through the magic of podcasting, we have an episode for you there right now as well, along with an episode with Mark Tuello, Sam Yeager. So we've got that deep dive on the enigmatic representative of what's left of America. It's a great chat. And when you're done with all that, go watch the trailer over and over again to get some more clues about what might happen (laughs) across this season. As for new episodes, episode three will premiere in Australia on SBS and On Demand on the 22nd of September. They drop a little earlier at SBS On Demand in the afternoon and we will have that recap ready and waiting for you. I'd like to thank my co-host for jumping back into the fray with me. Thank you, Sana Kadar, Natalie Hambly and Haiti Island. And thank you, Jeremy Wilmot, our audio mix extraordinaire. And thank you for listening. It is so good to be back. And we'd love to know what you make of this first episode and love to know what you're making of the season as it unfolds as you watch along with us. Reach out to us on Twitter. We know you're not shy <laughs> when you do. You can find me at anythingbutfifi and use the hashtag eyesongilead. 
Natalie, where can we find you? Are you back on Twitter? I am back on Twitter at Natalie Hambly. Sana, where can we find you? At Sana underscore Kadar. And Haiti, have you come back to Twitter for this season? <laughs> I have. I'm at, at Haiti Island. Excellent. And remember to use that hashtag eyes on Gilead. While we've got you, feel free to leave feedback and give us a rating on your favourite podcast app. It helps other people to find the show. Eyes on Gilead is produced by me, Fiona Williams, and edited and mixed by Jeremy Wilmot. Until next time, say it with me to Willow. Don't, don't let the, the bastards grind it down. You don't own me, I'm not your property. So take your dirty build and sink your knife off me. She's here, right? She's with us. I'm taking a fucking win. All right, I'm taking a fucking win.